Hey, it's Alana. And Jacqueline. And you're in for another episode of Black and Yellow. Welcome back, lovely listeners. Happy summer and a very literary August. This month, as you all know, if you've been listening to our shows, we are focusing on literature and the power of the written word. If you are new to the show, welcome, and we are happy to have you here. And if you are a return listener, it's always good to have you back. So we have a great episode in store for you today because the age of COVID-19 and working from home, we are all developing or sharpening skills. We are trying to get better at something. And for Alana and I, we've both shared with each other that self-promotion scares the shit out of us. And we can totally get better at it. We really could. (laughs) And I don't think we're alone in that boat whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, I think for for a lot of people talking about themselves and amplifying their achievements is really uncomfortable and nerve wracking. As women in general, the world tells us not to do that. And for women of color, the world is shocked that we would even have the audacity to feel like we could do that. But uh, self-promotion is incredibly important. It's a skill that should be developed and not shied away from. Uh, It can propel us forward into our careers and our personal lives and ultimately on our individual journeys of self-actualization. So we are really happy to have our guest today. Um, She quite literally is teaching people how to master the art of self-promotion. She has a new book out. It's called Brag Better, Master the Art of Fearless Self-Promotion. Her name is Meredith Feynman. Welcome to the Black and Yellow Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I have to say that when you guys first reached out, I mean, I obviously am and so enthused about about the the subject matter of your podcast, but with a parent from Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, I assumed this was uh, Pittsburgh or Steelers related. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever gotten, but, uh, uh, it's no, probably not, no, not That's hilarious. All. I love that. We should just try that one day. That's <laughs> Talk awesome. About sports. Um, I mean, cause that's to- I, so many Steelers fans like love that song, obviously, because their colors huh. are black and yellow. Yeah. Um, right. I so, never made that connection. I mean, I don't think you would unless you were either from Pittsburgh or were close to people from Pittsburgh. But that's what I thought it was. And I was like, oh, so exciting. I was like, wait, this is a very different concept. Uh, but still a great one. Thank you. Well, we're happy to have you. Thank you for telling us about that. I will be looking into that because now my interest has peaked. Um, We have so much to chat about. But before we get to that, shall we put our money where our mouth is, ladies? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So for those of you who are first time listeners, put your money where your mouth is is a segment where Alana and I spotlight a black or Asian owned businesses that we want to support and letting our listeners know about them as well. We believe in supporting local, female, black, Asian businesses. It's our form of economic protest. And with that being said, Alana, where are you putting your, oh, I'm putting my mouth where my money is first this time, right? All righty. So I had, I had, I had to do quite a bit of research for this, but I was really, because it's summer, we all know, it's pretty hot over here in Los Angeles. Um, I'm spotlighting August Society. Um, it was started by a single mom of one, Miss Tony Chan. Um, she's from Singapore. Um, she said that the, after researching the market a little bit, um, she had a hard time finding something that wasn't 
over $300 um, and it could still look good. And so she founded her own online swimmer store called August Society. You can go to augustsociety.com to look at her pieces. Um, it's a Singaporean label and it caters mostly to women in their 30s and in their 40s. Um, their designs include rash guards, tankinis, bikini tops with thicker straps, one-piece swimsuits, um, and two-piece as well. Um, the prices start at about 65 for a bikini top or bottom, and then the one-piece is about 100 Uh So it was really wonderful to also see Asian models on her website. I think sometimes that's that was – I didn't grow up seeing that as well. So that was really awesome um, for kids. Um, and now they're into um, using recycled materials um, to, you know, make their swimsuits. And I think that's really, really important nowadays. So – that is mine. Um, my put my money where my mouth is segment. And Meredith, what you got? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to highlight um John Mark collection. It's johnmarkcollection.com, J-O-N-M-A-R-C. Uh I am from Washington, DC, um, which has a lot of really amazing black owned businesses and particularly in fashion. Um, John Mark does a lot of custom fashion, particularly for curvier women, uh, black woman owned, but, um, the owner has made me, uh, some really amazing custom brag better masks and her masks are amazing. You pick the fabric, um, and for every mask you buy, she gives, um, some to healthcare workers. So it's local black owned pandemic related, um, you know, giving back and you pick the fabric and they're actually really, really great. Um, I know a lot of like, especially I got these early, you know, pretty early on. I know that a lot of brands are making masks now, um, but she also put brag better on the sides. And so it's, it's black woman owned also local DC. Um, so that's my request. And I've bought some more from her. Um, but you could get like, you know, black and yellow on it and have yet a black one, a yellow one. Um, and she ships wherever. And, um, yeah, it's a lot of, um, you know, plus size curvy related custom fashion. So, um, it's good stuff. That's dope, Meredith. First things first, thank you for the fresh merch recommendation. (laughs) Uh, I appreciate that. Um, that's awesome. I will round us out. It seems like we've been doing a lot of like fashion. So I will take care of the beauty part of this segment. <laughs> uh, black women, as we know, AKA queens of all things, coily, curly, kinky, wavy, natural. Uh, I am no exception to that. It is summertime. It's all wash and go styling for me. And there's only one label that I turn to and that's Miss Jessie's. It was founded by two black sisters in 20, in 2004, Miko and Titty Branch. And essentially this line, like many other black hair care lines, born out of necessity, very few styling products that catered to the curly, coily, natural hair set. And so um, they went ahead and started their own. The line was inspired by their grandmother, who would essentially cook up uh, hair concoctions to help style their hair. (laughs) And you can shop by hair product type. And if you go onto their website, you can diagnose your hair type if you are unsure. It's a full styling line, shampoos, conditioners, hair treatments, styling products. And the products do not just work for black hair. I can't stress that enough. I have pulled many a white girlfriend, a Jewish girlfriend, a Hispanic girlfriend into the natural hair care aisle at Target to try these products. 
They're great. They work for so many different types of hair. Uh, This is the line that you'd have to pry out of my cold, dead hands. And I think (laughs) the one product that I love the most is their curly pudding, which is a curl activator. Uh, Final fun fact, all of their products smell really amazing because they're all named after desserts or with sweets in mind. So curly pudding, baby buttercream, curly meringue, jelly curls, honey curls, coily custard. It's sweet. It'll tame your curls and it'll give you fly hair all year round. Mm, So with that said, I will drop all of these links into the show notes so that you can all shop these lines. And without further ado, let's get into our interview. So full disclosure, I was introduced to Meredith via my other passion when I'm not podcasting and talking about feminism. I am generally shopping. Uh, (laughs) I discovered her via her podcast, It Never Gets Old, which is a podcast all about secondhand, vintage, consignment, resale, and thrift economy. Um, I'm a fashion addict who wants to wear and buy things that no one else has. I pretty much took to a fish, took to her podcast, like a fish to water. It's a really, really great podcast for any of you secondhand fashionistas out there who are interested. Uh, I will also drop a link to her podcast in the show notes. But beside from being a podcaster, she is the founder and CEO of a consulting company called Fine Point, which is a leadership and personal development company with a focus on visibility and voice. She's got a pretty extensive background in public relations. I would say 10 plus years. And she is a media expert. And her area of expertise lays in training individuals to use public relations as a catalyst for positive career change. She's a freelance writer. She's a public speaker. And she's a book collaborator. She's also got a new book out. It's called Brag Better, Mastering the Art of Fearless Self-Promotion. And it is a seriously dope read and incredibly necessary for men and women. She's well-dressed. She's encouraging us to advocate for ourselves unapologetically. And she is here to chat with us again. Meredith, thank you for being here. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's, uh, good to be here on the internet with you guys. Absolutely. So wonderful to have you. Um, so I I have your book. I've been reading your book. I think it's great. Um, it, it definitely stirs a lot of emotions and insecurities in me as well. It's super relatable. Um, and you you wrote a book about a four letter word that stirs some very strong emotions in people. Um, we're curious to know what made you want to write this book and and why did you think it was so important? Yeah, so that four-letter word is brag, um, (laughs) which um, I am a longtime freelance writer. I'm in the business of getting attention. I knew using that word would um, get people's attention. Uh, Mm. The problem is, and I've been speaking and training on self-promotion, you know, I call it bragging, but it's basically stating true facts about your work strategically and cohesively to advance your career. Um, I talk about this in the career realm, irrespective of gender and irrespective of level of seniority. Um, We have no other words. So the problem is our lack of other Mm. words is just emblematic of our lack of resources around teaching people to be proud of their work and promote it so that people can see it so they can get what they want, Mm. Uh, which is sort of the core takeaway from this book, that your accomplishments are worth talking about, but also that this is a necessary skill. It is work. Um, that is required of you to get a, an internship or a corporate board seat. 
So I mm. have been working on this book concept and using the word brag since 2013. Um, I... Wow. Uh, was so, so I started my consultancy fine point almost a decade ago. It was more traditional PR. And then I became the go-to for representing individuals, CEOs, founders, leadership, an emphasis on women in positions of power and what it means to be a woman in public. But I always say that I will absolutely take men's money. So I also have more <laughs> clients. Um, <laughs> right on. Um, but, uh, so so I became the go-to for individual representation, which I also think happened because I have always, I've been a freelance writer for 15 years. I have simultaneously cultivated a very strong personal brand, had other projects like my podcast or my writing or speaking or all of these things. Um, and representing a person is different from representing a brand or company um, or product. And mm. it's also, in my opinion, the thing that actually works in terms of breaking through messaging wise. Um, so when I start to represent people, you know, a couple of years into my business, it, oh, sorry. That's okay. uh, so when I started representing people a couple of years into my business, it became readily apparent. Um, and this was something that had bugged me anyway, that nobody knew how to talk about themselves. Um, that this mm -hmm. was particularly true for women that I was watching the trajectory of young women that wanted to work for me, uh, who could not tout their work. Um, friends where I'd have to play publicist um, mm. and then very high powered people that were saying the exact same thing uh, coupled with wow. uh, leadership as celebrity was a really interesting category to me. I mean, this was before like CAA mm. and UTA took on like business, like you have business leadership in America, you know, individuals and families and people have often been drivers and emblematic of business, but it's never really mm -hmm. been quite the cult of personality that we have now, which it's interesting in a time like this. Um, I mean, I'm not exactly sure when this is airing. Some of those personalities are faltering, um, but um, <laughs> they'll still oh, yeah. be faltering. Yeah, they'll still be faltering. Yeah. So, but, but, um, so I saw that happening too. And that was really interesting to me. And I sort of wanted to build out that, that realm of talent. Um, so I began using the word brag after I sort of got, you know, fed up entirely with a really amazing client who wouldn't go on TV. And I booked her on. She said, you know, there might be someone who knows more than I do. And she was in a presidential administration on the topic, which used to hold a lot more weight uh, than it does right now. But um, and she didn't do it. And I thought if this person who has everything that I deem as success and knowledge and um, expertise, you know, is going to let some you know, again, random schlubby guy who knows one eighteenth as much as she does, you know, talk on TV right. instead of her. Um, so I, I wrote in the, you know, I hung up the phone and I wrote in the margin of the book, Braggart. And I guess that was the original title. People have asked me why it changed to brag better. I honestly don't know. But I put parentheses around the word art in the in the word braggart, which is someone who brags. So this art of, of bragging. And so the sketch that I outlined in October of 2013 I mean, at its very core, it's pretty similar to how Brag Better is today, though it was not fully cooked or, you know, now is the right time. But that is mm -hmm. where it came yeah. from. Well, wow. Brag Art lives on, just yeah, so you know. know. It is the title of this episode. We, it's Yes, it's living on. I love it. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, yeah, I remember you mentioning that 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 story in the beginning of your book. Um, and you're absolutely right. Um, there is the sense that bragging scares people like w when you mentioned that it is something that has to be it's a skill that has to be developed you know I I had never heard that before in my life 
Um, and so essentially, in a way, people are, I guess, afraid maybe to do that. And so how do we begin to change that fear? Is it is it a genderless fear? I mean, how how is how does that work? Um, yeah, so obviously it's significant. Any kind of other, it it's, makes it much harder to brag. And I didn't, I, I thought a lot about how I was going to talk about privilege and being heard and the ability to brag without fear of repercussion or just actually people listening to you. Um, mm -hmm. And and I did that through the interviews in the book. I did twenty original interviews with um, really really amazing, mostly women uh, that really run the gamut um, in terms of their experience. Um, so, uh, I think that, I mean, it's a universally difficult thing. Um, you're so not alone in the feeling it's, it elicits the exact same feel. Like I I've heard it all and I haven't heard anything new in a minute. Like it's all anxiety, fear, shame, um, disgust. Like it's all the same. It's all the same stuff. It's, you know, you're so not alone. It's what I do for a living. It's why I wrote this book. Um, I think it's a universally scary thing because it's an act of vulnerability, um, yeah. and at its core, that's what it is. But also, you know, I learned this from representing people. Like it's very easy for someone who I represent to slap me in the face and say, like, you didn't get me any press this week, but at their mm. core, like what they're saying is, oh my God, does my work not have meaning? Does my life not have meaning? Mm. Like is my, and, and that's what people are actually really afraid of. Like if you're going to get down to the right. actual core is that like, oh, not only am I not worth listening to, but my work is meaningless. My life is meaningless, which like, I don't need to like get, you know, that's like really very huge, huge, huge picture. Um, yeah. And, you're not a therapist. Yeah. No, but I end up sort of kind of being one, but um, the other, not only should you not know how to do these things, which is a common misconception, it's a teachable skill. It's a different muscle to flex. It is work. Yeah. You don't have proper role models um, and you don't have so true. a vocabulary. I mean, if we only have one word, which is brag, that's a problem. And, you know, I've many people have told me not to use it. Um, you know, I couldn't find a better one. And um, <laughs> it was written into the, my contract that they couldn't change the title. Um, but, um, nice. yeah, a lot of people told me not to use it, but we don't have an alternative. Um, mm. And, you know, I could have been like cutesy, like hype yourself better. I didn't like any of that shit. And yeah, um, mm -mm. and and it didn't work. So you aren't set up or taught to do these things. So that's what, you know, brag better provides a framework for you to understand how to do this. I'm arguing that it's a net positive to talk about your work and, you know, positively, strategically, cohesively, um, bragging is stating facts. Like you've done the work you need to state it so that people can give you the recognition. Um, right. especially, so I wrote an extra chapter in quarantine, which is free on the brag better website at brag Um, all about how to brag better online and from home. I mean, publishing in a pandemic is like a whole other conversation, but uh, I will say, you know, we're in a uniquely difficult time, but also you can't drop by your boss's office and like say like, hey, I thought that presentation went really well. Like, what'd you think? Um, so right. you have to be even even more intentional than ever before. And, you know, it's funny, I, like um, I, there was someone who said something about the book that was like, either you connect with this book or you don't. And I was like, I mean- you're oh. you're not wrong. Well, it was interesting. It was funny. It was like I I remember. I mean, not that my book is anywhere near the the, the quality of Gia Tolentino, who is in the book that I who I interviewed. Um, but <laughs> but you know, I remember her talking about finally getting a negative review and it being like so delightful. But the truth is, is like that's that is I am I either you really connect with me or you're mm -hmm. like 
she's very annoying. Um, so mm. I think that like <laughs> it doesn't necessarily win you all of the accolades or all of the fans or all of the praise. It's going to come with the territory of also criticism, um, mm-hmm. bragging and bragging better and putting yourself out there and choosing to be a person who talks positively about her work. That's a threatening thing to a lot of people. Um, mm. But yeah. you need to do that to the people that matter to advance your career. Wasn't it Lovey Ajayi who said in your book, if you're not saying anything, if no one is disagreeing with you, you're not really saying anything of value or merit? Yes. Yes. Lovey. I mean, there's so many, so many amazing women in this book from like Lovey to Gia to Claire Mm -hmm. Dream, Dream Hampton, who, yes, I mean, I sadly, you know, to Fern Malice, I couldn't Dream's interview. I have like hours of, you know, I, I need to. I, I would love to do, I mean, I need to do a Brag Better podcast, but I've been kind of dragging my feet. Um, but I yeah. want to release some of those audio. Yeah, her 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 experiences and stories are wild and her advice wow. uh, for what it means to actually face backlash, you know, when surviving R. Kelly yes. went, yep. you know, and, and the backlash that she's gotten from black men yeah. specifically. Like, so, so it's, there's a lot of, there's my voice, which either you love me or you think I'm annoying, which I'm fine with, but there's a lot of, also you could pick up brag better for a lot of the amazing people that are in it. And they're going to be right <laughs> for them. Uh, your voice is not annoying. Just putting that out there. And I, I, I hear what you say about dream Hampton. Unfortunately, she was hated for a very long time, but for a very long time, not just by black men, but I think also a swath of older black women as well. Yeah. So because of that work, um, but again, it was a really important series that needed to be out. And she, yeah. I, I think that her work also was instrumental in him uh, going to jail, oh, yeah. but mm-hmm. I am digressing. Um, your target demographic for this book is well, it's everybody. Let's be real. Everybody can benefit from this book. Everyone go out and buy this book. But specifically, you are talking to the qualified quiet. Can you talk to us about who the qualified quiet are and why they're important? Yes. So I call my audience the qualified quiet, people that have done the work but don't know how to talk about it. To some degree, that is all of us. Um, and it is a strength and not a weakness. It is significantly harder Um, And especially when you're in public relations, you see really sexy, shiny brands or people, but don't have the work to back it up. Um, That is, I guess, what you could call the lackluster loud, which uh, I didn't make it (laughs) didn't make it into the book. But um, I mean, it's it's people that have done the work, but don't know how to brag about it. And that is so many, so many of us. Um, You know, it's interesting. Like I never could have predicted. And I I would hope that this book is maybe helping some people during and really i mean i you know everyone like makes fun of the term unprecedented times but it's really unprecedented (laughs) times um (laughs) and you know the fear and joblessness um and graduates and um you know that's uh, i've been very interested in that the audiobook has i mean the book has done really well which i'm very proud of um and i have you know worked to make it so but um, the audiobook is also specifically what people are really into, which is interesting. I don't know how people are consuming content right now, but, um, yeah. So, so if you're listening to this and you're someone who, which we all do know someone in your industry, in your cohort, in your classroom, in your pod, who, uh, like work pod, not podcast, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, who, who knows less than you do, but gets more recognition and accolades and the raises and the, the bigger projects, um, then this affects you. I mean, I think it affects everyone to some degree. It's a pretty universal feeling. Um, and, and so, 
you can start anywhere. I'm never telling someone to change who they are. You never need to like go get more accolades before you can brag better. Some of the best brags I've heard are from pretty junior people. Um, wow. Yeah. And not, and actually not like super tippy top, like household names, which is interesting. Um, so, yeah. so that's not a thing you need. Um, and uh, you know, it's not about changing your personality either. I mean, I talked to Susan Kane for this book. She wrote Quiet. Cool. She's the reason why we talk about introversion. Um, and maybe bragging to you is great one-on-one or in writing. Um, it's whatever sort of suits you. You just got to start wherever you're starting. Yeah, I feel that totally. And I have your audiobook, and I find that I listen to it on walks, on drives, but also when I need a break from the man that I fiance with. Mm. If he's just like getting <laughs> on my nerves, I put on the headphones, I put on the audiobook, and it's it's like um it's essentially like saying, do not disturb. Uh so it's good for that as well. Um <laughs> it often feels like people who are very male and very pale are encouraged to brag, mm-hmm. and that bragging is generally viewed more favorably than if a woman dared to brag, even if those people are the unqualified loud or the mediocre, monotonous types. Um, we are a feminist podcast, so I have to ask, how does the patriarchy affect bragging and women's hesitancy to brag? I mean, it's at its core. Um, the, the, you know, as Ooh. as the you know Amina says, you know, the scam is structural. So, um, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, I'm not going to pretend like if you brag better, you know, the wage gap or like systemic racism in the workplace is going to disappear. Uh, that's right. that's not what I'm saying here. This is sort of what you can do. And women are so inclined to like take it on. Like, oh, it must be me. I'll fix me. It must be me. It's me. It's yeah. not the system. Yeah. It's me. Um, right. Totally. So, you know, I, I, I really cared. So so you have that element, but also, I mean, every part of patriarchy, particularly towards women or any other, is to shrink yourself physically, emotionally, verbally, um, specifically verbally. So, mm-hmm. you know, I talk about positive attributes being associated with passive behaviors, particularly around voice. So she was coy, mm. she was demure, she was shy. Those things actually denote actual silence. Um, I cared a lot. And then you have the gender roles that are performed to you and what, especially like I, I talk with every client about what they were taught around voice and how you should appear. And I, I say in the book sort of repeatedly that I have a very loud mom and I feel lucky. Ah. Um, I feel lucky that I didn't, that I didn't get certain um, fears around bragging. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And, and so that definitely affects as do cultural norms, as do if you grew up in the South and you, you know, they're like extreme femininity and uh, right. politeness or my Canadian daintiness or my Canadian clients. That's very cultural, um, you know, so so there are lots of those factors, structural factors, patriarchal factors, obviously is deeply ingrained with all of this. Um, and so I really cared that this book be irrespective of gender. It obviously skews towards women. Um, but the qualified quiet also includes men. Um, men need to be heard too, but mostly, um, (laughs) it's, uh, it's, it's that what I talk to men about and what I talk to white men about is that like, we need your voices. And I've done some interviews with Mm. men's outlets that are sort of like, well, you want men to shut up. I'm like, no, actually, your privilege, you know, and, and Lovey talked about this too, your privilege is endless. Um, the supply is endless. What we need is your voice literally echoing ours. So not when, you know, mm. it, it's, you could look at it like, oh, well, 
you know, he's going to be heard over me, or you could bring him into the fold and say, Hey, I need your voice to actually be heard because scientifically we hear the voices of men better than we hear the voices of women. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I need you to echo those sentiments, which leads me into a crucial part of bragging better, which is that it's a team sport. Um, and it is, you know, you can, there are lots of people that you bring in to brag for you, that you brag for, that's a really important duty of yours to do, but also the privilege and patriarchy piece. If you are someone we listen to, it's part of your job to elevate the voices of other people. Um, and so, you know, when like white men get freaked out, I'm like, no, actually we, we need you. Like we need you. I have a job, right job for you. Um, (laughs) like, but, um, but that's really, really important. And I wanted men to be able to see that too, because also I'm a part of, so I'm, I feel very lucky. And then I'm a part of so many women in business and varying, you know, I, I started this thing called women, right? Washington, which is, I, I used to back when we, you know, had experiences, I would host <laughs> really interesting intersectional book events for women writers. And I'm always trying to get men to read more women cool. and blah, blah, blah. Um, but mm-hmm. like men aren't sitting around thinking about how they can improve themselves or like having these, they, no. but no, but, no way. But the problem is that we are having all these conversations in vacuums and I go to amazing con- big conferences and I speak at them and I speak to, I have been speaking and training for a decade, but the men aren't sitting there who need to hear these things, um, mm-hmm. which is a problem. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know, you want to have those safe spaces, but you also want to make sure, I mean, I'm sorry, the people with the power and the money need to know that this is where they need to put their power and money. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, shout out to your mom. Shout out to Mama Feynman, (laughs) who didn't give you any sort of vocal hangups. We love loud She did not change her name. (laughs) Please. Uh, Oh, (laughs) I love it. I'm engaged. And as soon as I got engaged, my boyfriend, I was like, and I'm not changing my last name. Your mom is, is, she's hardcore. That's badass. Yeah, no. Yeah, Um, neither did my mom. (laughs) Big second wave. Big second wave lady. So, uh, yeah. Love it. You brought up culture. I do want to talk about it for a second. We are a minority female hosted podcast. And, um. In reading some of your interviews, specifically with Dream and Kimberly Drew, Mm -hmm. I couldn't help but think about how bragging and culture um, uh, could be difficult. Uh, As a Black woman, again, like I said on top of episode, if any Black women dare to brag, you better be able to back that shit up. Mm -hmm. And in Asian culture, bragging isn't necessarily the most humble of acts, so it's not looked upon super highly. What advice do you have for pushing past cultural barriers in order to brag in an empowering manner? Yeah. So, so that's something I think about a lot because I'm white. Um, I'm Jewish, but I'm white. Uh, Mm. So I have an ethnicity, but I benefit from white privilege. Um, And uh, that's a huge issue in my work um, with clients of color and women of color and black women. Um, So I really cared that those voices did the talking instead of, my dumb ass um in in the book um <laughs> no no now now Meredith. no I, but no but like I, you know i i was trying to figure out how to work in the that the you know the race and privilege and i'm not i'm not going to confine it to one chapter anyway it was i was like no i just need to shut up right i mean part of bragging better is also understanding when not to talk um so i wish i had better advice for this um i have dealt with the sexism but i don't have to deal with the racism aspect um, mm. yeah, I've dealt with a little anti-Semitism, which, you know, is continues to loop around and around, but it's not the same thing in the slightest. And I don't like them being compared. Um, but I think that, um, it's, it's hard. Um, 
it's just really, really hard. It makes it doubly, triply as difficult. Um, and I think in those situations, you know, it's funny, like, uh, particularly as we're part of two pandemics right now, you know, the global health crisis or the American health crisis, let's, you know, is what it is. Yeah. And then, you know, the movement and Black Lives Matter and where we are with a, an important reckoning. Um, I think that, you know, people and a lot of white ladies and a lot of white feminist ladies are talking a lot about allyship. And I think that um, elevating the voices of other people and other women and non-white women is absolutely essential and free. So you should be doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and, so and then I think for, again, I wish I had better advice for this because I feel, and it's something I think about all the time that I, that is missing in my understanding and navigation of the world that I don't have to deal mm. with. Um, and I think acknowledging that is sort of, you know, what I can do, but also, right. um, the buddy system of getting other people around you to help promote your work also is what moves the needle. I mean, it's the, it's the more voices thing. I don't, I don't think that the systemic factors making it difficult for a black woman to brag or an Asian woman to brag, um, should be also fought alone. Um, right. and, Agreed. and so, you know, that, that's that's my reaction to it like my reaction to it is is to make sure that all of the white people i know are are helping the people that have this extra layer of difficulty talking about their work because of terrible systemic problems yeah for sure i think that's a great answer you're essentially saying pull up white ladies and i yeah. get behind that 100 percent. and white yeah. guys and and white guys right, like right um but but that's you know that's sort of then, you know, Lovey did her her share the mic thing. I mean, I think there's some of that mm -hmm. being said, but it's free. It's f like the way I think of, of it is it's free for me if I can't do a speaking gig to make sure that they, um, you know, select a great, you know, black woman in my place. Like it's Ooh. because they won't do that work. They're not going to. Got it. Right. And like right. recently, it's funny. Recently, I, you know, I'm up everyone's butt to like hire me for speaking and to like, you know, get on the press and whatever because i'm obviously pushing something here but mm -hmm. you know the brand was like well we're like really focused on like race and inclusion right now and like that's what we're focused on so like i don't know about bragging and i was like let me make this perfectly clear yes. um <laughs> like bragging better is a team sport and it has a lot to do actually with privilege and race you clearly have not read the book, which is fine, but here's a list of 20 people that I interviewed for the book, 100% of whom are not white. Uh, so why don't you think about hiring one of them? Because I know you're not going to do the research into who the people are. And then they're right. like, oh, we're going to go check our budgets. And I was like, yeah, okay, oh, sure you are. Merit is a spicy talk. Well, I was yes. like, here's a, here's a list. That was free. I had that list compiled. Like, I mean, I made a hugely concerted effort to have um really interesting diverse voices in this book all of whom are insane power play i mean like right you know Absolutely. you'd be fucking lucky to have any of these people grace you or whatever and you better pay them whatever yeah. you thought you were gonna pay me like yeah but, um but i love that but but that's free that's free yeah. that email took one second and i think that like if you can't do something or there's an opportunity that might be good for someone else just thinking about like you know who's that list of 
of people who who don't get those opportunities that you should help with. And then culturally, you know, that's hard and that takes time. As I said, like that, the cultural Definitely. factors affect everyone um, yeah. differently. But, you know, I said regionally or, you know, ethnic, like there, that is part of figuring out how you're going to also do this in a way that feels okay to you. Like, I don't care that you like brag best of anyone. It's just like, what is going to make you feel good about your work? What's going to make you feel okay? But also like, what's going to move the needle on your career? Is it that you want more money? Is it that you want a certain Mm. job? I am arguing that, you know, bragging, stating facts about your work strategically for a means to an end. Mm. Love it. Um, In your book, you outlined four important elements of effective bragging. Gratitude, pride, presentation, and showmanship. Can you talk to us about what these elements are and why we need them to brag effectively? Yeah. So two are inward and two are outward. So inward, you cultivate inward gratitude and pride about your work. And then when outward, when you're sharing it is, you know, presentation and showmanship. So I didn't include the word humble brag in the book just because I think it's I didn't want to give it any credence. But I also strongly believe that you can be humble and be bragging at the same time. I do not think they're mutually exclusive. Um, I think, you know, I don't think they're mutually exclusive at all. You can be grateful for an opportunity and proud of it, too. Um, Mm -hmm. So. You know, those two things when you're thinking about how you're going to share your work are just really, I mean, gratitude makes you and everyone else feel better. Um, and pride is is a difficult thing to cultivate in your work. Um, and maybe having people who really want you to win, um, helping you mm. figure out what to be proud about. Again, this is like it takes a lot of people to help you brag better. Um, and, yep. and you shouldn't be doing it alone, uh, though you can if you don't have those support systems. Um, but then, you know, the presentation and the showmanship pieces. Okay, so I am going to be grateful about the speaking gig that I did and proud that I did it because I was scared to do it. And I'm going to share it. Um, the presentation part is like, okay, how can people digest this in a way that is going to maximize my goals, but also is right for the medium? So if I'm sharing it on LinkedIn, uh, it's like, okay, cool. um, I'm I'm grateful and I'm proud, but what do I want? How do I want people to see it? Do I want them to look at the photos because I look particularly authoritative in them? Um, <laughs> you know, which, which really matters in people's brains. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the showmanship piece is like, you know, the unique flair to you. So is that like, you know, some, I'm telling people to kind of stick away from humor right now because it's such a terrible time and I don't think mm-hmm. it's really translating. Um, but you know, what's the part that's going to make it you because nobody wants to see a robot either. Right. Right. Wow. I mean, that's all super, super amazing for us to know and digest. Um, I wanted to round out this part of the interview by talking about the three pillars to bragging better. And I have to be honest, when I read the pillar, I felt like you were giving us a challenge. (laughs) Uh, Those three pillars are be loud, be proud, be strategic, challenge accepted. Uh, Can you explain the pillars and and how can we push past that fear and really put them into action? Yeah. So, so the pillars of bragging better to be proud, loud, and strategic. I added a fourth, um, in quarantine, which is explicit, um, which is in that free chapter, uh, on brag better.com. I also do the audio, so that's totally free. Um, but you know, proud is being proud of your work, which I think is the hardest one. It, you know, everyone has their own demons with this. Um, 
but it's it's thinking about the work you've done and asking people around you because sometimes the stuff we're good at we dismiss the most um, absolutely and don't acknowledge um so so that's that's the the pride piece which i think is is very hard to do and cultivate the yeah. loud does not mean the volume of your voice um i've been in public relations for a decade i do a lot around visibility and have before that uh what breaks through is consistency and repetition um you know, humans, particularly right now in an emergency situation, we're not absorbing much. You have to repeat over and over and over again who you are, what you want, and what you need from people when it comes to recognition and praise, whether that is like press or money. Um, mm. and, and you might feel like you're repeating yourself, but you're not because every single mm. time you share something, it is, it's never 100% the same audience, never. Um, right. And the shelf life of a tweet is like an hour. So... Um, <laughs> That's the loud piece. And then strategic is like, where do you want to channel this? When I work with clients, I ask them what their goals are and we work backwards. It's like, okay, I want to sell my company. I'm like, okay, well, so you just having like a fun Instagram is not going to be helpful. Um, where are the people that might acquire your company? What are they reading? What do they pay attention to? How are you speaking to them? Um, and and so that's the strategy part. Otherwise, it's just more noise. I mean, I talk a lot about and brag better. We have a really, really intense inverse relationship between volume and merit. We reward loud. Um, we are rewarding. We reward all the wrong voices because they're yeah. simply loud. Um, and so you don't need to add more noise, but it's like this is a means to an end, um, which mm. is to further your professional goals, wherever they might be. Right. I feel that. Yes. President Red Lobster is definitely a member of the unqualified no. loud and we give him lots of merit. Um, OK, so we're going to do a rapid fire round of questions just so that our audience can know you just a little bit better. Are you ready? Yes. Your favorite book is? I know you already sent me these, but I still. I never <laughs> That's OK. Uh, <laughs> uh, probably Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Ooh. Most influential book you ever read was? Metropolitan Life by Franley Woods. Ooh. Your favorite thing to brag about? My book and my dog. Great. Best snack to eat while reading or online shopping? So if you listen to the podcast, you know I'm a prolific snacker. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll just do currently. Currently, it's a five-pound bag of Haribo mix. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to say chocolate hummus. Okay. Yeah, got I know. It. I know. I can't. <laughs> Most overrated writer is? Um, men. Okay. <laughs> the city with the best vintage shopping is? LA or Paris. Yeah. Uh, your favorite city, your favorite place to online shop is? Poshmark. Ah, oh, got it. Uh, what's your favorite way to shut down a hater? Usually ignore them. Um or like find out where they work and then stalk them and make their life a living okay. hell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that laugh. That was like very loud. <laughs> uh, if you could wear one brand for the rest of your life, what would it be? Either Saint Laurent or Levi's. Ooh, wow. I love that dichotomy. Interesting. Yeah, right? Yeah. Meredith, it was great talking to you. Please tell our audience where they can find you, how they can keep up with you. Please promote away. Yes. So please consider buying my book, Brag Better, Master the Art of Fearless Self-Promotion, wherever you get books. Uh, consider supporting independent booksellers. On the Brag Better website at brag-better.com, there's also a list of Black 
owned independent bookstores that are carrying Bragg Better, I consider, you know, I ask that you consider ordering from them uh, or even, you know, requesting it from your local library. You can get the audiobook. I narrated the whole thing in a closet in quarantine, um, which was a hellscape. Um, and I'm everywhere. MeredithFeynman.com. Um, book me to speak. Look at my memes on my Instagram. Um, and that's where to find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank we are the you. Black and Yellow Podcast. You can find us on the gram at Black and Yellow Podcast. You can also find us individually. I am Alana Webster at Renegade of Fun. I'm Jacqueline Chung Young on the gram. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you guys love this episode, let us know what you think. Rate, review. That would be great. Keep this baby going. Um, and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your August, everyone. Talk to you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.